For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome to our new Auburn football podcast. My name is Taylor Davis. I will be your host. Um, I am a 2014 graduate of Auburn University and am now a sports reporter and host. And I am so excited to introduce you to my co-host, former Auburn quarterback, SEC Offensive Player of the Year, a 10-year career in the NFL, and the list goes on and on, Jason Campbell. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate that, Taylor. Thanks to everybody that's out there listening. Hey, welcome. This is a great opportunity for me, and I couldn't appreciate Taylor giving me the opportunity to co-host with her on a new on a new podcast, and I'm just excited, and this is something new for me, so uh, I look forward to it. Of course. I'm I'm glad you were interested. Honestly, uh, <laughs> this kind of fell into both of our laps, but something that we're both super passionate about, obviously, uh, with our ties to Auburn and now our continued career away from the university. This gives us a way uh, to still stay tied in to the football program and everything that's going on down there on the plane. So really excited for uh, what we're going to do with this and everything that we're going to talk about on a weekly basis. So should be a lot of fun. Uh, Jason, let's start with the obvious. Uh, when you look back over your time at Auburn, what are some of your favorite memories? Oh, man. Take me back in distant memory. It's been 15 years <laughs> since, I, since, I, since I last been on the campus uh, playing oh, football. Oh, don't show but, your age now, Jason. Come on. Hey, hey you know what? <laughs> but I feel like I look good, though. You know, I feel like I oh, look like do. I'm 25. You know, that's so, what I'm saying. That's yeah, what counts. But, yeah, that's what counts. <laughs> I tell you what, Taylor. When I look back at uh, my years at Auburn, what I remember the most is that family atmosphere. I remember that's why I came to Auburn. Uh, I remember getting recruited by a bunch of schools, LSU and Georgia and Tennessee, and you know a lot of a lot of teams was trying to recruit me at the same time. And I just remember coming to Auburn. It was just something special about the people and the way yeah. they carried themselves on campus and the whole plains, like the flatland, and it's a it's a college town and yeah. uh, you know, as well as I know how much it's really grown since we left there, but oh, man. Uh, so it kind of carried over to the football program as well. And I can remember my first game at Auburn on a crew visit was the Auburn Alabama game. Ooh. And, uh, and it's so, <laughs> it, it is so happy. It came the week after I was at Auburn Georgia game in 1999 on a recruiting visit and Auburn beat Georgia. And then it came back to Alabama. I came back home the next week to play Alabama and they lost a close one. I could just remember, People were just crying their hearts out. And I was like, man, this oh, is a game. Yeah. Oh, this is a game. I was like, man, people were just crying like somebody had done passed out or something. Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so so to me, it kind of it kind of stuck with me. It resonated because from the high school that I went to in Mississippi at Taylorsville, yeah. you know, it was all about winning and tradition was very strong and everyone was was buying into everything that we did. And you felt like you had to live up to the to the generation that was before you. Right. So it made me feel comfortable with saying, man, I want to go somewhere where people care this much about football. And, uh, and I was excited to go to Auburn. 
That's awesome. I, yeah, I mean, you hear it all the time in college sports or around universities, you know, family. Uh, I live in Charlotte, so I'm surrounded by a lot of Clemson. And no no discredit to them and what they're doing, but, you know, they talk right. about the Clemson family as well. And I'm like, you don't know family until you go to Auburn. I mean, my time there, I... I look back on so I'm so proud to be an Auburn grad. I'm sure you feel the same way. Like since graduating uh, in my career, in my even social life, like any opportunity that I have to tell people that I'm an Auburn alum, like gives me such a sense of pride. And I think that is all encompassing in the academics, the athletic programs, and, and just the people that are in that organization. Exactly. I can say the same thing, Taylor. Uh, playing in Washington when I was with the Redskins and then when I went to Oakland. When I was in Washington, they used to always send me these invites to come watch the games. They would have an Auburn club in the D.C. Yeah. area. And, of course, I couldn't go watch them because I was, you know, gearing up for our games on Sunday. But to know that, to know that there was a, a watch group and an Auburn alumni basis in D.C., wow. like that meant a lot. And then I thought it just kind of stopped there. But when I went to go play for the Raiders, I'm in California, and they have an Auburn club like in San Francisco where people can go watch the games. As a, awesome. as a Auburn alumni, so then it's one here in Atlanta in Buckhead. They call it the Buckhead. Uh, it's in, it's one here in Atlanta that everyone goes to every Saturday, and, and they watch games. And I still get invited to those. But uh, it just goes to show you, like, man, what a wonderful you know feeling to know that your university care that much and how united we are. Not just when we're in school, yep, but we connect with people once we're done done uh, going to the university. We still have a connection that is stronger so than most universities. And everyone says, why y'all say War Eagle? I said, because if you went to Auburn, you would know that it is War Eagle means it's kind of like saying hello yeah. to another former, to another former tiger. They say, y'all got two mascots. I said, don't be jealous. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that debate. And I have to have it a lot of times around here and in my job. But no, you're absolutely right. I mean, anytime I see someone in an airport or anything wearing Auburn gear and I say War Eagle, it's not returned with just like a, yeah, where you go. It is like big smiles. Everyone's excited. You, it just unites two complete strangers on the basis of something that was important to both people. There's something so cool about that. Yeah, because I always get, where you go, JC or <laughs> JKM? So they say JKM, I know it's personal. I say, oh, it's got to be somebody I knew at Auburn. <laughs> so then I turn around. That's awesome. But, yeah, you can uh, you can take yourself out of Auburn, but Auburn never leaves you, and I love that. So uh, between the two of us, I'm sure we're going to have a blast talking all things Auburn. Uh, it means a lot to both of us, so uh, really excited to have a platform to be able to talk about it. So obviously we are going to be speaking mostly about the Auburn football program. Uh, we will break down – the previous week's game, we'll look ahead to the next week, different storylines transpiring uh, around the team on any given week. So uh, really excited to get this going and also want it to be interactive. So any listeners out there, if there's a question or a topic that you want Jason and I to discuss, be sure and let us know. Interact with us on social media, send us messages, and uh, we want to hear from you and we want to appeal to the Auburn family. So make sure you guys interact with us. Um well, for our first episode, let's just go ahead and recap the season up to this point. Obviously, uh, getting to this point undefeated is an accomplishment in and of itself, especially most recently the win on the road at Texas A&M. Uh, 
when you look at what this team has been able to do since the crazy win week one against Oregon to now, what kind of potential do you think this team still has yet to tap into? Yeah, when I look at the first four games of the season, of course, I was in the opening game uh, when I was out in, in Dallas for the Oregon game. When you look at this team, they always say most teams will define how they win the big games on the road. Mm. So the way we came out of the first game against Oregon, the first half didn't look too pretty. Right. And, uh, and you know, you kind of expected that in the first game because there's no preseason in college. But once the second half adjustments, I feel like Gusson did a really good job was, was come and bow down for the second half of that first game. I think the first half of that game, he was probably real antsy, which is understandable. He was nervous. It's his first big game. And, you know, you're a freshman out of college. I mean, freshman out of high school. And I think, I think in the first half, you look at the game, you're like, oh man, what's he doing? <laughs> I think a lot of it is when you're a kid that's coming fresh out of high school and you play at the high level and you feel like you was a five-star recruit, you feel like you can make every play right. no matter what. Because, but then when you get to this level, you have to understand like, okay, guys are a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger, a little bit faster and more understanding of the game. So you don't have to make every play on your own. Mm. And I think he learned that from the first game. And the reason I say that is because you look at the rest of the games, he had two turner, two interceptions in Auburn in the, in the win over Auburn. Mm-hmm. But then you look at his last three games, he hasn't turned the ball over. Wow. And a lot of it, and a lot of it is he's learned how to depend on his teammates around him, understand like, I got a great defense, you know, I got a good run game. Let me just make the plays that are there until I can get myself comfortable enough to know when to extend plays and try to try to take those chances. And I think from a standpoint of him, I've seen him grow from those from those areas because you can look at his turnover percentage. Mm. Now you look at Auburn as a whole team, what have we gotten better at? I feel like our secondary has gotten better from week one yeah. to where we're at now. You know, we struggled a little bit in those first two games. And uh, our front seven, you know, those guys with Marlon Davidson and Derek Brown and, you know, Dick Poe and all those guys up front. And then you look at our young linebackers, you know, I feel like they've developed each game as well. You know, look at Papo, who's a, another true freshman coming out of high mm-hmm. school. You know, another guy that he kind of reminds me of Carlos Dansby when I was playing and uh, his type of build and body build. So, defensively our guys have really gotten a lot stronger up front and like I say our back end secondary is starting to catch up with those guys and they're starting to get on the same page and then offensively we're starting to run the ball better with Booby Whitlow and then we can just start to try to tie in some of those other guys like Shivers and uh, get some of those other guys running the ball yeah. as well and, and Cam Martin to take that pressure off of Whitlow we're definitely going to need them as the season continues to progress. It really, it has already seemed like there's so much for this team to capitalize on and work with moving forward. It's it's super encouraging. Uh, but, you, you know, you do have these areas where you have question marks and working your way into October where the road schedule is going to get tough. We go on the road to Florida, on the road to LSU. Those will not be easy feats. So as much as the first part of the season has gone our way, there is a a huge worry of getting complacent. And I think for this defense, Kevin Steele makes the difference. This is a guy, I, during my time covering him, I feel fired up after a meeting with Kevin Steele. You know what I mean? Like he just, right. he has that presence with this defense. And I think it has fed into guys like Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson that are leading this defensive force. So that is is certainly a comfort And then for guys like Bo Nix, who really had no adjustment period, you know what I mean? Like there was no red shirt. There was no 
cupcake, if you will, in week one. You start your college career against a very talented Pac-12 team in the biggest game of the weekend. So for the way that this team has started off so hot, what do they need to do? What kind of mentality do they need to have to not lose that momentum? Well, the one thing we have going for us is winning. When you're winning, it's always easier for the coach to sit in the film room and get your attention. You know, because your your feelings are up and you're more attentive because you feel like, oh, we won the game. So but I know we got to get better. And But when you lose a game, you're all in your emotions, you're all in your feelings. And, you know, sometimes you don't listen. You still listen, but it's a different field a from sure. learning why you're winning. Yeah, right? It's it a is. battle. And I feel like, I feel like, like you said, when I'm around Coach Steele, like, man, I love to play right? for that guy. You know, that's, how, that's how I feel because the way he fires you up and the way he gets into your skin and he makes you want to play, like you feel like you can jump 10 feet high <laughs> the way that he yep. talks to you. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, it, it's, and I think a lot of the team cares on that mentality because when you think about these guys, when you look at Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson, they walk around with a little bit of swagger. And, you know, they feel like when they step on the field, like, okay, y- y'all yep. know what's coming and we're not stopping until, until the end of the game. And that's the type of mentality you have to have to be successful in the SEC or mm-hmm. any level in football. If you want to win games, I would say defense win championships, offense sell tickets. Mm. Um, and when you talk when you talk about when you talk about Bo and what they're doing offensively, I think helping him is getting Seth Williams back healthy. Huge. It's getting Swartz 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 changes the games because of his speed and the misdirection plays. It puts pressure on defensive ends and linebackers and safeties because now they have to account for that guy every time he goes in motion, whether he's touching the ball or not. And then you look at Hastings. Hastings is a guy that's I really like Hastings because he's fast, he's quick, and he's tough. And I think uh, Bo feels comfortable throwing the balls with him. And he's kind of unsuspecting. You know what I mean? Like defenses could easily overlook him, but that's where you'll get messed up. Exactly. And uh, he's a he's a guy that can stretch the field. And then you look at Stowe, get him back healthy. Mm-hmm. So I think for us, as we get ready to go down the stretches, can everybody get back healthy at the same time? And can we continue to improve? And the reason I say that is because we missed on a lot of long balls earlier this year that have been wide open. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we missed a guy like five yards, three yards. And a lot of that is timing because you don't get a full speed rep sometimes in practice if a guy's injured. And, uh, and I think for Bo, I'm going to have to tell him to lay off the weights a little bit. <laughs> yeah, 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 we know he can throw it. And uh, But the reason I say that because as you get to the game where you're playing LSU, you're playing Bama, Georgia, teams that you know their defenses is, is just as good as ours, you know, you got to hit on those opportunities when they present themselves because they're not going to give you a chance to hit, you know, four or five big plays behind them in a game. So when you get those two opportunities to do so, you got to hit them. And those are the plays that changes the games and changes the outcome later in the fourth quarter. So it's helping us right now with what we're doing. But I would like to see us get better at connecting on our deep balls and connect and making those into touchdowns and uh, big time conversions. And to see our run game continue to improve. That's all a little bit of it last week in the second half of Texas A&M game. I think we're finding ourselves. But I think we need to get behind this senior offensive line and just uh, find a way to, to get on edges more and, and continue to get north and south. So we're in third and short and not in so much third and seven and ten. That's where we get in trouble. A hundred percent. I mean, an explosive pass play can completely change the momentum of the game. Not only do you deflate the opposing defense, but you give your offense a bit of 
of confidence and and swag that we were saying our defense has. You see the offense get that when an explosive pass play works. And we've seen in past years as dominant as a an Auburn run game can be, they can only do so much, especially down the stretch when you're facing defenses like LSU and Georgia and Alabama. Like Booby Whitlow and Cam Martin – they can only do so much. So that pass game has to be clicking for this offense to be effective to run the entire season. Correct. And you think about it, Taylor, even when you was in school, the time we went to the national championship was 2013. Mm-hmm. The thing about that team is what we did put pressure on defenses was why? Because the quarterback was keeping the ball alive. Right. And when you're in Gus's offense, when the quarterback can read the defensive ends and he can keep the ball, it keeps the defense on their heels because they can't just pin their ears back and just focus on the running back. So I think as we continue to proceed, I think you'll see a little bit more bonus keeping the balls, um, getting on the edges and everything. Then you'll see a little bit of uh, you know, them them using more passing off of it. Like I said, our passing game got to get better because those other teams going to load up and they definitely going to make us try to throw the ball. For sure. And uh, if we can get better, get better at that part, which I feel like the last two games, Bo has completed 66% of his passes. And, you know, he's averaging 7.3 yards per attempt. So, you know, he's definitely getting better and definitely growing. But we're talking about succeeding in in the West, which is, I feel like it's the heart of the SEC right now, uh, you yeah. know, based off what's in the East. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's definitely not going to get easier. Bo Nix, I, listen, I mean, there was some a ton of discussion and debate about who was going to get the job, who should get the job. Uh, Not that this kid wasn't showcasing talent very early on, but the mental aspect of this game is so huge. Uh, Like being able to handle the stage that you're on could make or break a performance. So for a true freshman to get the starting job at an SEC school like Auburn that loves their football, of which he has been, a lifelong fan because his dad played there. You're starting the season playing in an NFL stadium against a Pac-12 team that, oh, by the way, was the team that Auburn defeated for the national championship in 2010. So it's a rematch of that. I mean, the elements to that game go on and on. And after watching it, I was so impressed with his composure, even when his game was not very effective. You never saw him get frazzled. You never saw him get down on himself. He stayed very emotionally level. That is not something you can teach. That is innate. Okay. How much of his on-the-field presence has surprised you this early in his career? I would say this. You know, you always find out about a person is when they're going through something. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone can everyone can be, you know, on a on their best performance when things are going well. And I can the reason I say that if you look at the Oregon game, like everything the first half was just ugly. You know, and then the way he responded in the second half, and especially with the game was on the line, the throw he made to Seth Williams to help win the game. And then the third down throw he made to the sidelines to pick up a first down. And then on the fourth down, the run to to dive forward, to have the presence to get the first down and knowing you're about to take a big hit. To me, those are like he has mental toughness and he also has the grit that you want from a quarterback to play at this position at this at this level in the SEC. And I feel like when I watch him, I think a lot of you can see his dad influence in his mm. life where you could tell he grew up around the game. My dad was a uh, was a coach mm-hmm. coming out of high school where his dad played at Auburn and he coached in high school. So 
he got the opportunity to see his he got opportunity to see what his uh his dad how he handled himself through those situations growing up and then his dad watches film with him when he's in high school so when he's doing all these things and everything continuing to grow i think a lot of that has to come i think a lot of that has to come from uh from his upbringing yeah. And, uh, and being around the game so much where he has a coach mentality even while he's on the field playing. Well, and a fun fact, his dad holds the Auburn record for most completions in a game. So if we're talking about getting that uh, that pass game going, his dad's, you know, Mr. Consistency. So that could work to his favor. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously in a, in a Gus Malzahn Auburn offense, it's been most effective with a dual threat quarterback. That's just how it's been. Mm -hmm. Uh, so you want to be able to see some, some scramble and some runs from Bo, but you know, there is some reluctant, you know, calls to that because you could potentially get him hurt by doing that. So you're going to see less quarterback design runs, but we have an option in Joey Gatewood and his athleticism should right. not be overlooked. When you look at his skill set, what kind of benefit does that give the offense? Yeah, Gatewood's kind of in a tough position. And the reason I say that is, you know, he played a little bit in a bowl game and everybody got, got a chance to see flashes of what he can do. And everybody like, oh, man, this kid here, you know, he, he's, he's big, yeah. he's huge. And when I, when I stood beside him this spring, I was like, my gosh, son. He's built like Cam. Like, tall are you? <laughs> you know? He's big like Cam. He's built like Cam. He's about the same height and size as Cam. And uh, when you see him run on the field, like he he definitely puts pressure on defenses and everything. So I feel like Auburn feel like they can run. They can run both because they feel comforted in Gatewood. And it wasn't that big of a difference between the both of them about starting. It's only there only one football that can only be one quarterback. You know, that's the only thing about our position. Well, this does bring us into a huge, huge point of emphasis. Uh, for Auburn, and that is Gus Malzahn back calling the plays. Uh, three years after relinquishing play calling, um, which he has been candid about this past summer, saying that that was a mistake, uh, his offensive mind is what got him to this point of his coaching career, right? So to to abandon mm -hmm. that, it, right. it seemed that it was almost to appease the naysayers, the people that were calling for his job, when in reality – that was the aspect of of Gus Malzahn that got him to prominence in the coaching world. So for him to regain control of the play calling, uh, it's not only is it obvious in the productivity on the field, it is obvious in Gus Malzahn as a coach. His demeanor is completely different. On the sideline, in the locker room, in press conferences, you can tell his passion is back. And that is something that the players will feed off of. Correct, man. You're exactly right, Taylor. A lot of coaches loses themselves once they become head coaches because they give up what got them a job. And, and I see it so many times in college and so many times in the NFL. I'm like, you, the reason you have the job is because of what mm -hmm. you were doing as a coordinator. I like, so continue to be the coordinator, but you're still slash head coach, but don't give up what got you the job because now you're basically putting your trust into someone else to call those plays. Even though you're standing there on the sideline, that's another different yeah. mindset. Your mindset is different than the person that's beside you. And I feel like with him now calling plays, he's more involved, he's more engaged. He doesn't have to micromanage someone to call plays. And it, it, it I'm going to be honest with you, it causes conflict when there's a guy that a head coach that calls plays and then there's an offensive coordinator and he's yeah. calling the plays because what it does is 
that guy feels pressure like, okay, I'm not calling something that you want to see more. And then the head coach is like, why are you not calling this? So then it's kind of like two people not on the same page. And you can see it a little bit over yeah. the last couple of years where, you know, where Gus really kind of still want to call plays, but then he's trying to be reluctant because he's trying to get an offense coordinator opportunity to do the job. But then that causes conflict. And anytime there's too many heads trying to be put together to run an offense or defense, it really doesn't work well because there's too many people trying to do something and they feel they feel they feel like they're doing the same thing, but in reality you're not. So I feel like with him being a head coach and calling the plays, he's basically saying to everyone, like, look, I know everyone is looking at me as the head coach and say, okay, Arvin got to do something this year or I may be in trouble. So if my back is against the wall, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to call the games the way I want to call it. And it's going to be me doing what I want to do with my team. So if it works, great. But if it doesn't work, I know I can be keep my head up high because I, it was my own doing. I mean, listen, there, there was some kind of disconnect for the past couple of years. It was just obvious. It seemed... There was not that we had terrible seasons, don't get me wrong, but there did seem to be a lack of intensity that is usually synonymous with Auburn football. And with guys like Kevin Steele, like we've talked about, that fire should have been there. There was something missing. And, you know, whether it's a quarterback or it's just the team in general, how they're gelling, uh, all of that can be attributed to as well. But I think you a team takes on the persona of their head coach. You know, I just, you see that across the league. And so for these guys to see a Gus Malzahn that is fired up and, and excited about what they're putting on the field. And and you know that that's showing in practice too. You know, that guy's coming in there with his clipboard and his sun hat and excited about what he has drawn up for that week. They say that when, when they're running routes, he'll literally call out and practice and be like, that's going to be a touchdown this week. Like he has, he has right. a sense of confidence behind his his play calling because that's been him his entire career. And and he shouldn't have to right. stifle that just because people were maybe saying he'd be out of a job. So I kudos to him for getting his his way back and his his swag, man. That's our word for the week. Uh I I do. I love it. I love a fired up Gus Malzon. It it cracks me up. Yeah, and I've seen him be real fiery. Like last week, he was going off on someone uh, for lining up wrong or not going in motion. And and you know, the past couple of years, you know, he's kind of like kind of laid back a little bit. But this year, he's been more fiery. And I've got a chance to know Gus a lot more this spring than ever before. You know, of course, we've always had conversation, but this spring, he even admitted to himself there's things that he needs to change in order for in order to get back to what he used to do and to get the team going in the right direction. And a lot of it he said was his mindset. Yeah. Like even just how he how he deal with people now. You know, he's dealing with people. He's more open now. He's more, you know, attentive. He's more, you know, he's trusting people more. He's letting people come around the locker room, letting people be around the guys, just saying hello and speaking to them. And uh so he's become more open this year. And uh I always say like sometimes in order for you to grow as a person, you have to come out of your comfort zone. And you have to start to do things that you're uncomfortable with. Uh, otherwise, you can't grow. And uh, I feel like he's done that this spring and it's starting to transform into into the season. If you look at how fiery he is, you know, and how his teammates and how his kid, uh, how his, everyone's taking on that mentality. And it's just like you say, like, you are what the person above you are. 
And uh, and I feel like, you know, Gus, is, he's doing all the things he needs to do to get this team going in the right direction. We're still a young football team on offense. Sure. Defensively, yes, yes, we're loaded with, with a lot of guys that are older, and our offensive line is older. But when you look at our skill positions, we're young. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this team is built to make a run over the next couple of years if uh, everyone can stay together. That's awesome. I mean, it's very exciting to see uh, what what looks to be a promising beginning to a season and and that goes for coaches and players. So uh, a lot to really look forward to. And as we do look forward to this week, home matchup with Mississippi state, uh, they've, they've kind of been dealing with some woes, some issues at quarterback and and now some NCAA issues, (laughs) uh, different things, but listen, we see it all the time in the sec. You can never overlook a conference game ever, regardless who it is. Oh, no. <laughs> so right. as they gear up for Mississippi state, the, the last home game before a really tough road test, uh, what are some keys to make sure that this one is, is the fifth W? Well, I feel like coming to this game for Auburn is okay. This is a revenge game for us. Mm-hmm. And I usually don't like to use that word much, but this is one of those games where last year, everything that kind of could have went wrong, went wrong in this game. And, uh, you know, from the fumble at the, at the half-yard line going into the end zone by Booby Whitlow yep. and uh, to then recovering. And then – so I just feel like this is a game for us to come out. It's our first SEC game. So Mississippi State, they're coming off a victory last week against Kentucky. You know, they're feeling good about some things they're doing, but they're still reluctant because they're still – they still have a couple of players out that's suspended. And then they also are dealing with a quarterback situation where they're trying to figure out, okay, is our quarterback going to be healthy? If not, we're going to go with the true freshman again, which the true freshman, understandably, got freshman of the week last week. So you can't underestimate teams like this because as soon as you do that, you get their best effort. And Auburn has to understand that they're no longer hunting hunting people. They're the hunted now. And so they have to understand, you're a top 10, top 10 football team. And – People are, everyone's doing everything they can to knock you off, and you're trying to continue to climb the ladder. So I expect us to come out with a lot of energy this game, come out uh, tenacious on defense, trying to shut down their run game, make them one-dimensional, put the ball in the passing game. And uh, I expect us to try to continue to pound the ball against them and uh, get Bo in some situation where he's outside the pocket, where he's more comfortable, and uh, and, and getting and, and completing passes and everything. I just look for this to be a – I don't look for this to be an easy game. I know a lot of people saying maybe an easy game. I look for this to be a hard-fought game just because it's a it's a big game for both teams, but now we're the hunted, and everyone that comes for the hunted going to get their best effort. Heck, the two-lane game was a hard-fought game. People overlooking Mississippi State, <laughs> right. you're wrong. You can't do that. Right. Uh, exactly. a, another right. huge key moving forward is going to be this – as great as this defense is, they've got to be better creating turnovers. Uh, they are currently 100th in the country enforcing turnovers uh, with just three on the season. So uh, as dynamic as they have been in containing quarterbacks and, and limiting offensive production of our opponents, they've got to create more opportunities for the offense to get the ball back. Um, that, again, talking about shifting momentum, nothing like a defensive you know, turnover Heck, you run it back. I mean, like, <laughs> you want to talk about getting the crowd involved? It's it's creating turnovers. So guys like 
Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, Big Cat Bryant. I know that that's a focus of theirs, and and you would hope to kind of see that spark up maybe this week while they're at home. Exactly. You're exactly right. Turnovers create opportunities, more more opportunities for our offense, and also flipping the field for the mm-hmm. field. And uh, what I mean by that is giving us a shorter field sometimes. There have been some long drives uh, that Auburn has had to go through earlier this year where they're backed up inside their 10 or they're backed up inside their 15. they got to go 85 and 90 yards to score a touchdown or to get a field goal. So I feel like, you know, that's something that Coach Steele has continued to preach to those guys. Like, hey, God, we need more sack fumbles. You know, we need more interception. You know, Jeremiah Denson is having a really good year with tackles and uh, – and everything, but we need those guys to get involved in the in the passing game, getting some of those interceptions, creating those short fields for our offense, and uh, and sure, even running one back. But those are plays when you do that to an opposing offense, you now put doubt in their mind. We're now they're thinking about those things. But when when you're not getting turnovers, and you and we're giving turnovers sometimes, you know that can hurt you in a lot of big games. So I feel like our next step for us defensively is. How do we create more turnovers? How do we be more active on stripping the ball and, and getting our hands around the ball and everything when we're in, when we have a quarterback inside the pocket? So I feel like if we can get to that step, and that really helps our offense to put more points on the board. And given the question marks at the quarterback position for Mississippi State, this could be the very week to capitalize on something like that. So uh, are you going to be there this week? Yes, I would be there. Uh, my, bro- my, bro- my brother and his wife went to Mississippi State. So, Ooh. you know, we always have a have a family tradition on this game. And, of course, I won a lot more than, than they <laughs> have in this matchup. But uh, so, yeah, we will be, we will be uh, attending the game, and I will be there uh, doing the pregame uh, with the Auburn radio. So, for three hours. Do you so, put bets on this game? You know, I usually do something fun, you know, like food where, you know. Yeah, loser buys dinner. Or, yeah, you know, something like that, or hey, put some gas in my truck or something. You know, you got you got to do something. So we already got my little nephews uh, brainwashed about Mississippi State. So oh, I'm trying no. to switch, switch that. I got one of them on my team though. Okay, listen, all you got to do is take them to a winning game in Jordan Hair. They're gonna be done. <laughs> they don't want those cowbells. Get out of here. <laughs> exactly. uh, all right. Well, next week when we talk, I want to hear what the bet was, unless. Unless Mississippi State won, then I don't really care what the bet was because that means you lost. But uh, if right. if Auburn wins, you, you got to let me, your brother's got to buy you dinner or something. Hey, you're exactly right. Auburn wins. I, I'm gonna come up with something. I got okay. I got to be real creative. Okay, good, good. You got to put his boys in Auburn jerseys or something like that. Exactly. Somebody got to do something with some orange and yeah. blue. They are oh, Auburn yeah. fans though. No, Mississippi State well, not they, playing. Yeah. They're Auburn fans. So okay, fair I enough. I will say that. <laughs> all right well i uh i will be living vicariously through you as you are down on the plains enjoying a nice game day so we will definitely get a full report from you next week uh that does it for us here today on our auburn football podcast thank you all for joining us and for listening we will be doing this every week uh talking all things auburn football um as the season progresses and different storylines develop We'll be covering it all. We also plan to bring in some different guests and get some great Auburn interviews. So you're definitely going to want to subscribe and be a regular listener because we've got some great stuff planned. So thank you all for joining us. Go pull our Tigers to another victory this week against the Bulldogs. And uh, let's keep this thing rolling. Right, Jason? Exactly. We look forward to hearing from y'all and uh, y'all send Taylor the questions and uh, we'll be more than welcome to answer. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. War Eagle.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.